Welcome to the Capgemini Salesforce podcast series. I'm talking to Matt Prorock, a technical architect in the Capgemini North America Salesforce practice. Hey, Andy. Good to be with you today. And Eric Iverson, a managing solution architect and developer in the Capgemini Sweden Salesforce practice. Hello. Thanks for letting me speak to you all. So, guys... Uh, Salesforce projects from 2000 to today. Uh, as we discussed before this call, you all have been both been doing Salesforce for about five years. Uh, I started back in 2002, and it's been an interesting trajectory for me to watch because early on, complex or as complex as you could get before there was Apex, before they opened up their APIs, was pushing around metadata, and, and we generally would do that with a, a package. Then uh, Apex came along, APIs came along, web services and callouts, Eclipse, uh, the force.com IDE, uh, you know, uh, sandboxes and, and pushing metadata around. It, it started to get more and more interesting. Uh, and then in uh, the previous decade, when you all got started, things got even more interesting around uh, Heroku and, and now Evergreen. So. Eric, can I ask you to talk a little bit about how you you ran, how you saw Salesforce projects ran when you started? What what was the environment like for you? Yeah, thanks for the question. Uh, I actually started in a, uh, with my first Salesforce project being a very big Nordic project where we had a lot of uh, knowledgeable people, and I were the junior developer. Uh, knowing very little about Salesforce and the practices, etc. So I started with my Salesforce mentor, uh, who introduced me to uh, the IDEs that we used. We had a very strict, uh, kind of like a DevOps approach with a focus on continuous integration when it comes to version control, automatic build jobs. Uh, complex merge uh, structures and uh, abilities there, but overall a very nice CI CD delivery model even back in 2014. And that was the key for me to actually be introduced to those practices in the beginning of my Salesforce career. But like you said, I mean, Salesforce has developed in such a huge way, and we basically had Apex development. Visual Force and an integration platform with a lot of APIs, and that was it. And that's quite different from what we have today. Yep, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Matt, how about you? Uh, what were Salesforce projects like when you got started? Yeah, so when I got started in Salesforce about five years ago, I would say that the projects I worked on were agile, but the interpretation and running of Agile was left more to the project teams. So there was some level of autonomy for the project to figure out what that meant and implement according to their preferences. Over the course of the past five years, what I've seen is more of a shift towards a top-down management of the Agile process through centers of excellence and other approaches to kind of really enforce compliance with agile in projects. So that's been the, the biggest change that I have seen. So Matt, you and Eric have both talked a little bit about uh, project management processes. Uh, on your current projects, 
it's easy to say, oh, we want to be agile. But of course, agile means that you don't know what you're going to get or when you're going to get it. And my, I find most clients aren't a big fan of that. They want to sign a contract that says, I'm going to spend this much and it's going to take this long to get this scope. So on your current projects, what are you seeing in terms of the, the waterfall agile DevOps mix? So I am seeing what I would call Wagile, which is kind of a mix of waterfall and agile. So I do a lot of net new build and kind of project work as opposed to ongoing support and run. And so in that situation, clients are buying a uh, fixed scope that they need to be implemented. So there's not really the ability to do a true agile project where what you would be buying is a fixed amount of resources for a specific period of time. But the projects do have some of the ceremonies and trappings of Agile. So we have sprints, there are demos, retrospectives. Um, so it, it's kind of a little bit down the middle, taking some of the, the things about Agile that are helpful for a waterfall project, but not going the full enchilada towards 100% Agile. Understood. And, and that's exactly what the same thing I see, but then we work for the same practice. So that only makes sense. Uh, Eric, how about for you? What are your current projects like where the, the waterfall agile DevOps mix is concerned? I would say that it's, it's a clear desire to be agile. I mean, the, the, the methodology and the end result of agile is so appealing to be able to ship functionality fast, testable, reliable functionality from uh, user stories into the production environment, tested, verified, everything in the way that you get from the DevOps approach. Uh, what I see is always that there is that there is something that kind of creates this but in a sense. So you, you want to go agile, but there is something that might be in operations, might be in development that is uh, stopping you from really achieving this pure DevOps approach to the Salesforce uh, environment development. It might be related to operations, it might be related to, to the development, but I, I clearly see the desire and in all cases that I've been involved in, the actual ability to execute on those desires as well. With some help from, uh, from training, with some help from uh, learning curves, etc. But always the end result is is some is in the agile way i would say you actually started to segue into my next question which is hey predict the future for me well actually if you could predict the future for me really well i'd ask you for next week's winning lottery ticket number but predict the future for me where uh, delivery methodology for salesforce projects is concerned over the next couple of years where do you see things headed especially given custom lightning components, uh, Heroku and Evergreen? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I really wished I could see into the future, not only regarding lotteries, but a lot of other areas as well. But uh, I mean, Salesforce is getting bigger. I mean, uh, it was only uh, the day before yesterday, I think that they bought uh, or acquired Velocity. Before that, Tableau on Ulesoft uh, and before that, Steelbrick, uh, Click Software. Uh, so, I mean, they, they are getting bigger and the environment 
and the ecosystem is getting bigger and bigger. So keeping track of all that and having a DevOps approach that not only focusing on the sales and the service part of Salesforce is going to be key. How do you maintain, so to say, the Salesforce part of it together with the other factors such as, for example, Heroku, Evergreen, integration platforms such as MuleSoft, Informatica, Delbumi, all of these and make really are able to get that business value that you, so to say, purchase through Salesforce in order to enhance your business. So I think that we're going to see a lot more about, hopefully from Salesforce as well, to have it kind of like what they are doing with Customer 360, to actually providing the support to tie it all together in a nice 360 view. Together with that, also bringing in the DevOps approach to tie all the pieces together there. So I think that is going to be a key aspect of, uh, of the future, hopefully. And Matt, what are your thoughts on what the future of Salesforce projects looks like? Yeah, I, I think what is going to be key to the point that you both have mentioned about the increasing uh, tools that are available and the complexity of Salesforce projects that we work is really more mature DevOps. So I'm thinking specifically about continuous integration and regression testing so that whenever these projects are being run, there's a capability to maintain control over what is being deployed and how all of the the work streams fit together. I, I think the other point that I'd like to highlight is that in addition to all of the the various code-based capabilities that are available, Salesforce are pushing more and more towards configuration, which when it's deployed does not require the same level of testing in order to go into a production environment. So I think that clients will also need to get a handle on how they manage the regression testing of these configuration-based components because it doesn't necessarily have the same requirements as the code-based one. No, and that that's a very interesting point of view as well because you, you, I, I'm I'm always in projects where, of course, there is a mix between uh, programming solutions and configuring solutions, and, and there is always kind of like this: do we need to to run? Uh, do we need to write tests for the configurations? Yes, of course, you need to do that. You need to make sure that the performance uh, load, etc., are able to handle and that it's scalable. So you, you will get a really, really interesting testing strategies in the future, I believe, where you need to, to tie it all together and ensure the scalability of your, your own developed solutions. And by own developed solutions, I also mean the configuration. And I was just going to add on to that. I, I think that what is going to have to change in future is looking to testing as a way of controlling the... DevOps process and governance, as opposed to what I feel it is today at a lot of clients I work with, more of a check the box exercise that you have to do in order to deploy into production, but isn't really being used to take control of managing the deployment and its success. Uh, I'm going to go back to a word that Eric used, which is interesting. 
Uh, I think Salesforce projects are going to get interesting on multiple fronts. I don't know about you all, and, and I know, uh, Matt, you're a, a Salesforce certification acquisition machine, but at some point, there's just too much. I mean, they bought Velocity recently. So Salesforce is Sales Cloud, it's Service Cloud, it's CPQ, it's flavors of CPQ, it's FSL, it's Einstein, it's Heroku, it's Evergreen, it's verticals, uh, you know, push into retail, push into health, push into manufacturing. I think at some point, uh, we, the people that work in the Salesforce space, are going to have to specialize in the parts of it that we know, and we're going to have to specialize in how we deliver it, right? There's just, even even DevOps, if you guys are in a project, if I'm on a project where the client wants DevOps, okay, great, but I don't want to have to learn Capato and Snapshot and Bitbucket, and we're going to have to start going, you know something, we've got to start drawing some circles around where in this space we operate, because it's just getting Im- impressively complex. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that being able to kind of guide clients towards what are the best use cases for the Salesforce platform, how they should think about the roadmap in terms of rolling out the various features, figuring out what are the dependencies between the different technologies and the different clouds and all of these kind of high level architecture and design questions are where as consultants, we really need to make sure that we are keeping up to date with all the latest developments so that we can effectively guide our clients. So I think that is going to become increasingly more important as the the rate of change accelerates. Yeah, I think your days have more hours in them than mine do, Matt. But but it's also interesting this uh, this aspect that Salesforce is constantly getting bigger and bigger, and I feel that Salesforce has had a, an issue in that sense that it's growing so big and the number of certified people and the number of of people with the skills for the Salesforce platform is not at that level that Salesforce would like it to be. So I think a great example is where they have finally moved into, for example, Evergreen and more recently uh, Lightning Web Components, where you're standardizing the way of development into something that attracts a broader audience. For example, they had Lightning Web light, Lightning Components before that was very, very Salesforce specific in that sense of the development how you develop them, how you were deploying them, etc. And now you have Lightning Web Components that basically provides a framework that any web developer knows. JavaScript, HTML, and then you are using, utilizing Apex in the sense of the enhancement, so to say, rather than the core. And I think that will attract uh, anyone, anyone with experience in web development will actually be able to come in to a project, assist, and develop something great. And I think that that's a very important change and some necessary change in the ecosystem. 
Yeah, I think we're headed into an interesting time where Salesforce projects, Salesforce development, Salesforce architecture is concerned. Better that than to think that it's easy and everybody can do it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the insights that you've provided today, guys. Pleasure to be with you, Andy. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Capgemini Salesforce podcast series. To learn more about Capgemini and Salesforce, go to www.capgemini.com forward slash partner forward slash Salesforce.